The opinions expressed in the following video are not in their entirety endorsed by this podcast. They are instead the focus of our discussion today. This is your content warning. I think in the LBGTQ community is everything. Honestly, I think they don't get a lot of it. I don't think they understand how much your sexuality becomes who you are. Therefore, even all of your experiences kind of, in a sense, are governed by it. So your friendships, your community, of just your, your whole lens, in a way, is through sexual identity. And so I think that's why those in the LBGTQ community get so offended. It's not just that it's sin, because, I mean, we are offended by the gospel when someone says that we're in sin and we need to repent. But also, it's like, you are coming against who I am. <laughs> like, you're attacking me, not something I do, but who I am. And so I think when we kind of can understand that thinking, that I think we'll be able to be a lot more gracious in our approach, um, a lot more empathetic even. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think even... Christians fail to understand how communal the uh, homosexual community is. Like, to even say you need to come out of this means that I need to remove myself from the place that I feel safe. And so even that, that's terrifying to a person to say, oh, so not only do I have to stop doing what I do, but I have to leave my friends and the people who make me feel happy or whole into a place or community that doesn't seem as safe as this one. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty complicated. That's why I think Christians need to befriend more non-Christians and uh, invite themselves into their circles, not necessarily go to a gay pride parade, but befriend people that don't go to your church and don't look like you and don't have the same sexual preference as you. And I think from that place, we can both come to an understanding which will make everything a lot more practical. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Nathan, this is Joshua, and this is your Content Warning, a Bible Meets Culture podcast where we break down biblical theology uh, and modern content. Uh, we're super excited to bring you episode two, right, Joshua? Yeah, episode man, two? episode two. We've only, done this, we've only done this one other time, so this is super exciting. Uh, also super exciting for us for the first time, we actually have a guest on the podcast. This is Adam Currents. What's up, Adam? I didn't know I was your first guest, but I'm honored. Yeah, man. You are. Congratulations, man. You are the first official guest on the Content Morning Podcast, and we're super excited to have you. So I met Adam, man, I guess this was like 2012 was the first time I met Adam. So Adam became the full-time youth minister at the Eastwood Church of Christ back when I was in high school, and since then has gotten into full-time, what, what do you do, family counseling? Is that how you would describe it, or is it? Yeah, I would just say I do full-time counseling, and okay. um, you know, we do you know, in all ages, uh, families, individuals, couples. And we actually met in 2011. Did we? That's awesome. Yeah, that was my interview. Nathan, I, you know, he's got a better memory than I do, apparently. So. I don't remember when we met, Adam. I remember we went to Panama together, but I don't remember exactly the year that we met. You know, that might have been. I don't know how much we knew of each other before Panama, it, if I'm being it honest. May, it may have been when I was a freshman at Freed in uh, 2011, because I think you and John were friends uh, or our friends and where are, I don't know, but, uh, I, I think that's how I got in touch with you, but yeah, good deal. Yeah. 
Well, good deal. So there you go. Small, small circles in a big world, I guess. Uh, the, you know, we do say small world. I do know that I actually met Adam's wife before I met Adam, oddly enough, over at uh, Western Kentucky Youth Camp. So that was yeah, that was one of those things that we got into. But um, if you're if you're tuning in with us, we're super thankful that you've tuned in with us. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell. Uh, we would love for you to stay on top of this. We're hoping to release a new episode on the first of every month. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, casual. Um, we just want to talk about a lot of the things that uh, that people are talking about as it comes up. If you're listening to this on, on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening, uh, go ahead and subscribe there as well. Uh, the more traffic that we have for this, the easier we are to find. And, and that's kind of what the goal is for for us moving forward. And if you've, if you've watched the video that we put up on YouTube that's attached to this right beforehand, we just got done watching or listening to uh, Jackie Hill Perry. Uh, Jackie Hill Perry is a uh, American poet, uh, pastor, and and uh, hip hop artist, as she's described on the internet. And she's gone through a lot of of really different changes, uh, part of the uh, LBGTQ community, uh, and then found her way through to to Christian. and uh, And I don't know that she actually would consider herself separate from those communities. I think she likes to consider herself part of. Of both those communities at the same time. Um, uh, she at one point, uh, and this is just kind of background for, for those of you that have no idea who we're talking about, at one point she was uh, an active uh, a lesbian is how she identified and, and now she uh, considers herself a, a functioning heterosexual uh, who struggles with uh, attraction to women. Uh, she's married, she's got three kids, uh, and she seems to uh, be a pretty big inspiration to a lot of people. Uh, but the reason that we, we picked this video in particular, and if you go back and you you kind of find this video separate on its own, which, by the way, at least for this episode and the last episode, we didn't edit any of those videos. Like right? we, we didn't pull those out of context from a, a larger interview that she did. That's exactly that's the whole video uh, of, of what we found uh, with her kind of having this conversation. Uh, and she's talking and this is kind of the question that we're going to discuss as a whole is what's the biggest thing about LGBT folks that Christians just don't seem to get? And the reason we thought this would be a great video, despite the fact that this video is a little bit older than, than what we've kind of traditionally wanted to uh, approach, is because it seems like over the last, I would say, three to five years, uh, and really over the last year specifically, uh, it seems like this is becoming more and more and more of a prominent topic that, that needs to be discussed. Um, because, you know, for some reason, there still seems to be this really, really big gap there. And so that's kind of what we want to do tonight. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like that acronym keeps having letters added to it continually. You know, it's yeah, it's like uh, they they even just added the plus uh, just to say, well, in case we missed anybody. Yeah. So it's uh, well, that's so, yeah, it's definitely something that, that we need to, guys, to talk about for sure. And I, I made the comment to you guys before before we started recording. Uh, you know, back when this video started. Uh, it was just LBGT, right? If you look at the title of that video, uh, they didn't have the Q or the plus at that point. Um, and, and there's, you know, there, there's so many different, uh, I guess I would say connotations around what that acronym is. Uh, for some people, they view it as a, 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 an incredibly exciting community. Uh, for some people, uh, it's viewed as, as everything wrong with society. For some people, uh, you know, it's, it's really just used for a, for a, a laugh. You know, it's, it's been the, that acronym as a whole has just kind of been the target of, of several comedians as of late, just as a, a way to, to make a, a cheap laugh. And as we kind of go through this, we're, we're going to approach this topic. And, and I, you know, like I said, we've, we've always got notes, by the way, if I'm looking off camera, it's because I'm cheating um, because, you know, we want to be sure that we get a lot of this stuff down, but this is a, 
a really important conversation to have, right? And we don't want to uh, approach this conversation lightly or make anybody feel like we're making fun of the conversation that we're trying to have just because it is important, right? Um, I think, and, and so this is, this kind of comes back to, Adam, this kind of comes back to something that you jotted down in your notes, but something else that I found in a, in a related video. So I was kind of looking through this is for some reason or another, we forget that people are people, right? We, we, we want to separate everybody out based on, on, on sexual orientation or race or gender or, or whatever the case may be, you know, where we live or we go to church. Uh, but people are people, um, you know, and, and that's all people are valued by God. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the animosity toward different groups, whether it's, you know, you know, Yankees versus Southerners or, or whatever the case may be. We get so caught up in the animosity that we forget that people are, are people and, and that they're all cared for by God. Yeah, yeah, and I know I've probably been just as guilty of this um, as as uh, as maybe what I would now. I look back on some of the things I've said, and, and I think, man, I wish I would have said that differently. But I know I've stood in front of a pulpit and almost had a us versus them mentality of like believers and non-believers, you know. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times in these discussions, and unfortunately, this is even a, as of recently as a few weeks ago, I've seen people on Facebook who, who profess to be Christians, um, you know, call call it like the alphabet brigade, and referring to yeah. LGBTQ plus, and that's where the laughs come in. And I, I don't think that's going to win yeah. anybody to our cause, you know? Um, and I don't, not at all. Always the right type of approach. And so, you know, one of the, I don't know if this is what you were referencing in my notes either, but um, kind of, I just wanted to make sure that anytime we have this discussion beyond uh, us three to, today, that Christians can just do a better job of honoring the fact that they are people. And um, I was reading a book recently yeah. by Mark Yarhouse um, he's done a lot of great research just on these areas of gender identity issues. I would highly recommend his work. And he writes from a Christian perspective. And um, he, I know I'm kind of, I might be going off script here, but um, he was trying to actually get, oh, no, go for it. He was trying to get research on Christian campuses across the U.S. Um, on you know how many students are struggling with these issues. And he said of all of the universities. He said almost all of them declined to be involved. They didn't want to be associated with it at all. And that's where I put in quotes in my notes. These, yeah. these are our people. Like these are God's people. These are people in our churches. Why are we not ministering to them and creating these types of conversations? So I'm pretty excited about just having this conversation with you guys. Absolutely. And I think there's that particular question, you know, why, why don't we acknowledge it? And I think there's a lot of answers to that question, several of which are not very good, but I think we might actually get to that a little bit. Um, just because I think that kind of gets wrapped up in in the identity of of who you are as a as a person, who you are as an organization, who you are as just who you are in general. And I think that's something that's that's really important. But it is it's it's a it's a conversation. And I think we need to acknowledge first off too that um, kind of what we're going to break down is you know the three of us are all you know uh, you know a preacher a preacher and and a former preacher and counselor all of which you know uh, wear wear the title of christian and so we're kind of approaching this from from a christian's perspective uh, what we see kind of digesting and talking about what uh, what Jackie said in her video understanding that these are uh, not always easy conversations to have not always comfortable conversations to have and understanding that uh, you know the three of us have uh, will admittedly have some blind spots when it comes to this. You know, we're looking at this from our perspective. And, you know, when you talk about the uh, the LBGTQ community, I uh, don't want to mess that up, but when you're talking about that community as a whole, 
some of the things that they see Christians being hateful, uh, some of the, you know, the things that they see about Christians not being accepting, um, you know, from, from my perspective, maybe from y'all's perspective, uh, I think you do have to acknowledge that there are outliers on both sides, right? You know, there are definitely um, people on both sides that don't want to accept the other. Uh, and I think that the whole not getting into a us versus them mentality uh, is really important when ha when trying to have this conversation. So I'm, I'm glad that you said that for sure. Um, so as we kind of get down into this, so, uh, you know, the, the first kind of thing that she answers is the, the general question, right? What is it about this community that Christians just don't seem to get? Uh, and, and she says, uh, she says a lot, honestly. Uh, and I think Adam kind of jotted something about that down um, because I do think you have to acknowledge that there's a lot about those communities that quite frankly, we, we don't understand as much, right? Because what we see generally kind of is, is the depiction of, uh, I'm not going to say a minority, but of isolated incidents, right? Um, you know, for, for the longest time, the Christian mentality toward homosexuals was based off of the Hillsboro Baptist Church, you know, carrying around the big signs that, you know, God hates queers and, uh, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. And, yeah. you know, on the other side of that, you know, you, you paint the entire homosexual community based on the outliers of a few who are, who are hateful or whatever. And I think that it's important to understand that on both both sides, there's there's stuff that we don't know. Right. There, there's stuff because we're not part of those communities. Right. Yeah. And not only in just the way that, you know, and here we are using us versus them, but it helps make our point. Christians and LGBTQ right. Um, you know, that, that group or the people who identify as that, um, you know, yeah, we can find ourselves being hateful of each other, but even when you look at like the broader conversations that happen, like whether it's research or in my field in counseling, it's so hard to find reasonable, like chilled out conversations where people can just talk about ideas without it being, becoming a, a finger pointing session or, you know, people getting their feelings yep. hurt. And so, um, those conversations are hard to come by for sure. Yeah. Well, so you, so you bring up a good point with the finger pointing stuff. And so let's, let's get into the first, cause we kind of, I kind of broke this down into four main things that she, yeah. uh, that Jackie kind of hits on right off the bat. And the first one that she kind of hits right off the bat is this idea of identity, right? She makes several comments about, you know, I don't think Christians realize that when you're speaking against homosexuality, you're not speaking against something that I do. You're speaking against who I am, right? Like her identity is wrapped up in, in in this sexual orientation, or I guess is not the the necessarily the correct term there, but but that that mentality, right? So yeah. I guess where you get to start is is where do you find that identity? Um, you know, and and for for Christians, you would like to say you know in Christ, but even then, that's not necessarily always the case. So, what do you guys see as far as similarities and differences, as far as you know, Christians and, and the LBG community, you know, together, how do we, how do we find our identity there? Well, I, I think, and maybe I'm being too close minded about this, but uh, I, I think that if you are in Christ, your identity is completely wrapped up in Jesus. Uh, that if you are a Christian as a, uh, the Bible says there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, but new creation in Christ Jesus. And so I think that, uh, and I want to say this too before we begin, because 
when we talk about the LGBTQ plus whatever group and Christians, let's not forget that there are some people who struggle with homosexuality and transgender and all that stuff who are legitimate Christians, um, who, who see that as a struggle. They see the sinfulness of that and they struggle with the temptation, but they're, they're living true Christian regenerative lives. But then there are others that completely disregard God and the Bible and all of that. So, you know, it, it goes back to exactly what y'all were saying, the, the whole let's come together and let's see people as people kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, your identity, you know, it, it's all about in, in today's world and postmodern culture, it's all about what you want, right? You make your own rules. You make your own identity. You express yourself. Uh, when I was in high school, we had someone come to speak to our uh, class that said, just remember, you're unique, just like everybody else, which kind of takes away the uniqueness, doesn't it? Uh, but that's what our world says, that you can be unique and you can express your uniqueness in your sexuality, in the way you dress, in the color of your hair, in the ink on your body or lack thereof. I mean, there's a million and a half different ways that you can express yourself. And the, the thing about a sexual identity that separates that from like the sin of lying or the sin of being disrespectful to your parents, you know, which is all sin, but it is a lifestyle. It, it totally engrosses every part of who you are, um, which she brings up in the video. And I think Christians, uh, or let, let me say, um, straight conservative Christians look at LGBTQ plus people and say, well, you should repent of that in the same way that you repent of lying. Okay. I can tell someone I'm sorry yeah. for telling them a lie. Um, I had uh, someone, I'll, I'll keep this as generic as possible to, to protect identity, but I had someone uh, a few years ago approach me and confess that uh, this person struggles with homosexuality and this person said, well, how would you feel if I came up to you? It was right when I got engaged. He said, how would you feel if I came up to you and said, you can't marry, you can't marry her because it's against the Bible? I was like, man, that would, yeah. that would really hurt me. But, but if I am loving Jesus more than anything, it's a call on me to have to be humble enough and submissive enough to do whatever he says, however he says it. That's the trade-off. Yeah. So I've been well, rambling. So I think that, and, and Adam can, can, well, no, you're good. You're good. I think Adam could probably elaborate on this because I feel like maybe he's studied this more yeah, than for sure. one of us have, and I could be wrong about that. Um, <laughs> but it's in his notes, so I'm going to let him elaborate. But it, 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 it's tricky when you start talking about getting your identity wrapped up in, in, in your sexual identity, right? Because yeah. we are by nature created to be sexual beings um and so and and this is where you get really and this is where i think the conversation gets skewed from time to time and i think that that we we run into brick walls and we just get frustrated and we start hammering away uh at, at these issues that may or may not be correct in that the sense of uh for for the longest time right for the longest time what you heard is is that well being gay was a choice Right. Like your identity that you had, that was that was totally your choice. 
And, and so you need to choose your identity based on the identity that Christ gave you and not the one that you want it to be. And then you ran into the argument of, well, you know, I didn't choose this. This is who, you know, God made me to be and so on. And that became a very counterproductive circle to chase because all it became for, at least for me, what I witnessed, you know, when I was in high school and college was, well, you chose that. Well, no, I didn't. Well, yes, you did. Well, no, I didn't. And, you know, we are designed to be sexual beings. And so having your identity kind of fall into into that isn't a crazy stretch, in my opinion. It's just a matter of whether or not humans have skewed that, I guess, is the best way to the way to kind of say that. Yeah, I've got a few thoughts to add that might uh, muddy the water more. I don't know. Um, first of Bring all, it Josh, you said that you might be closed minded by suggesting that, uh, you know, if we're a Christian, our identity is in Jesus. I don't know how that's closed minded. <laughs> That sounds well, scriptural I, to me. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I, I hope so. That's that's the goal. I, I guess what I was trying to say is like, you know, um, the way our world views identity is to say that identity is in ourselves. But I think we, all, all three of us, because I, I think we all would all agree that, you know, in as a Christian, your identity is not in yourself. You are clothed in Jesus, and therefore Jesus becomes your identity. He is... He, you represent him as a born again Christian. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? Come on. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, a couple ideas here. So we're kind of venturing into like, well, what you know causes you know uh, same sex attraction, and that's something that is you know that's far beyond me. And I think I think it's probably a super complex um, answer to that. Uh, that probably nobody has all the pieces of the puzzle to, but there's a, it was explained to me one time, this idea of if it's a choice or not, because I grew up hearing that as well. Um, you know, well, it's a choice, you know, you choose that lifestyle, just, you know, just, just choose differently. I've had, I've had clients in my office. Um, one I'm thinking of in particular, who said, if I could have chosen something different, I would have, this has caused me so much family trouble, right. family drama. I would have chosen something else, you know? Yeah. And so it was explained to me by a, I guess I, I could say a mentor. Um, and this may be a little bit long winded, but he said, okay. He said, there is a certain part of a woman's body that you, and he was talking to me. He said that you're probably drawn to, okay, sexually. And he, he asked me, he was like, well, what is it? And I told him, and he said, okay, did you choose that? And I said, no, it's always been that way, you know, ever since I can remember as, as I hit puberty. And he said, okay, exactly. You're attracted to something that you didn't choose. He said, somewhere in your formation as an individual, as you came into puberty, um, you were influenced by so many. I mean, think about how many things influence your beliefs uh, about not just God, but your beliefs about, um, you know, what is sex and, you know, what is right and wrong uh, sexually. Um, right. Of course, we are a very saturated world, sexually speaking, whether it's, you know, the latest Netflix release or, I mean, pornography is rampant in homes. And so... You think about just how many how many ways things can get distorted along the way. And so as I grew, at some point in my, my mind, certain things became crystallized as this is something I'm attracted to. It's not it wasn't a choice of mine. And so I think what I would you know, what I would encourage somebody is, OK, yeah, you may not actually be able to choose what you see as attractive or what you're drawn to. But you can make a decision about what to live out in, in your day to day life. And I think that the. the my logic is, and I'm not saying my logic is 100% sound, but I would give that same counsel to any Christian who is struggling with a behavior that 
might not be biblical. So let's say someone wanted to go blow their family's life savings at the casino. Okay. No, I'm going to counsel somebody to not do that. Even though they may have an addiction to do that, I'm going to encourage them. Yes, you may be drawn to that, but live, live in a way that honors Jesus and honors your family, not in a way that just satisfies whatever impulse you have. So that really, to me, applies across, um, we, we could apply that to other sins that people might struggle with. So I don't know if that gives any clarity to, to a little bit of that discussion, but um, I do want to throw in there too, you know, speaking about like, you know, where do we find our identity? And, and I would love to hear maybe y'all's thoughts on, on this, um, because it does seem like, and I, I don't know if this is a, I don't know if I've been socialized in, in our culture to feel this way, but I think that culturally most people, they see themselves through their sexual identity, like a large part of their identity comes from that. And I don't yeah. know if that's a socialization, but I also, it does seem in scripture, and I don't have a reference in front of me, but like in the New Testament, it sometimes seems that sexual sins are given a little more weight. Not so much that this sin is worse than this other sin. And I've always kind of explained it away as, well, you know, sexual sins can have greater consequences. Um, so I don't know. Is that is that something that I think maybe we're socialized or is there something to that as far as finding our identity through our sexual identity? If I well, as far as as far as the New Testament goes, um, and, and what you're saying about sexual sin and all of that, a couple of things there from my perspective. First of all, is uh, every every biblical author wrote uh, for a reason. So they were writing to an audience that was dealing with certain things. And so, if I'm going to write to an audience that's dealing with, like for example, First Corinthians is kind of the sexual sin audience hmm. all throughout the, the book. Um, you're going to talk about it quite a bit, but yeah, then you come had some things going on there. Yeah, no <laughs> joke. But then you go to a book like <laughs> Philippians and you don't get that uh, as much, if any, I'm trying to remember, but I don't, I don't think it, there's anything in there. Maybe there is. Um, another thing though, with regard to the Bible, the new Testament and homosexuality in that time in the first century, it was expected of young people that when they started to hit puberty, that they were going to experiment sexually with anything and everything that goes beyond uh, human relationships. Uh, they were expected to engage in bestiality, um, other forms, you know, uh, so just all kinds of stuff. And it was just expected. It's like, well, the, it's a phase they'll grow out of it. Uh, the problem in the first century with homosexuality was not the issue of are you engaged in the act, at least from a cultural and worldly standpoint. The issue was, what is your role within the act? If you were the passive partner, we'll call it, that was looked down upon. That was the feminine role, and that was wrong to everyone. But if you were the active partner, it didn't matter who you were active with, uh, you were fine. And then we get this... Uh, great teaching in first Corinthians again, uh, chapter six, verses nine through 11, uh, kind of this big sin list. And, uh, one of the words that we translate there is homosexuality. Uh, if memory serves me right. The word there in, in Greek rough translation is man bed. And so it refers to both active and passive partners within the act. So, yeah, the Bible has a lot to say about sexual sin, but that's because God created sex and he created it to be good. God created sex in the Garden of Eden. The word Eden literally means pleasure and delight. And I don't know about y'all, but I just love that God made marriage and sex in a place 
called pleasure and delight because that's what it's supposed to be when you do it God's way. So um, God designed everything to be good and everything is good if you do it God's way. But when you start taking something good and doing it uh, not God's way, it becomes bad, becomes a barrier between you and God. So you said you were going to be long-winded. Here I am rambling on. We get Nathan's thoughts. Well, I think it's, and I think as far as the identity, picking that up from society, um, you know, I, I think we are. I don't want to. I'm trying to figure out the right word. I don't want to say we're groomed because that has such a, a negative connotation on it. But uh, you know, we're we're kind of subconsciously uh, exposed to it. It's everywhere, all the man. Time. It's everywhere, uh, and that's 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 the big thing, right? So. You can't even from, and you know, I know everybody says this, right? Everybody says, well, it was never this way when I was growing up. I think we're beyond the point where generations can go, well, it was never this way when I was growing up, right? I can't say it was never this way when I was growing up because it was this way when I was growing up. Everything was sexualized. And I think a big part of that was because society as an identity, even if you go all the way back to Corinth, right? The society as a, an identity found that in sex. And I think as we've come out, I, I think it, it kind of points to what both of you have said a little bit. Society doesn't view sex as sacred. Sex is important. Sex is fun. It's good. Um, and and I think that there is enough of a – I'm not going to get too far down this rabbit hole, but I think there's enough of a stigma around sex within the church that we just try to ignore it completely. And therefore, the only way kids and young adults learn about it is from a worldly perspective, uh, which I don't think is, is good. But I think when you have – I think as the church, when you refuse to talk about a certain topic and you only acknowledge it from the perspective of the world – and then people start latching onto that as their identity, and that's how they start viewing it is through a world lens. I don't know why we're allowed to be upset or confused as to how that happened when we've refused to talk about it for for so long. Well, that's um, it's it's like in the in the movie Pinocchio. You know, you have Pleasure Island. That's the way our yeah. world views sex. It's all pleasure with no consequences, and it goes far beyond sexual identity. I, I mean, it's. It's the abuse of the gift that God has given for a monogamous, dedicated, married couple. Uh, and when there's when, when you run rampant in pleasure and leave a and live a hedonistic lifestyle, and that's all it boils down to is just hedonism at its worst. Uh, and then there are no consequences. And when there's no consequences, you become God. And that that's the issue with identity that that we're all three in, in this episode wrestling with is, is my identity something that I make? If it is, am I God? And if I am, what does that mean? Or if I, my identity is something else that is placed upon me or that I have to subject myself to, then what I'm subjecting myself to must be God. And therefore I'm under it, its, or in our case, his control. Well, that's kind of the uh, the age old struggle of being human, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's, that's page one, and well, really page two of our Bibles, right? Yeah, um, not wanting to submit to to anyone else. Yeah, everything everything was good for a page, uh, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of interesting in human history, right? <laughs> but it's it's kind of interesting the way that you guys have both kind of 
I, I think uh, unintentionally kind of led us into this next thing because what Jackie what Jackie talks about next is when we start talking about this idea that um, you know when when Christians start speaking against homosexuality, she makes the comment. This is kind of the, the second point that she makes at this video. She she makes the comment. It doesn't feel like you're talking about something I do. It doesn't feel like you're talking about. She said it doesn't offend. She said it does and it doesn't offend us. She's she kind of she kind of rephrased it. She said it doesn't offend us that you're talking about the sin. And she goes, well, it does actually offend us when you say that, you know, the gospel says that what we're doing is sinful. Um, which you know that's what we can talk about that in a second. That's a sidebar. I've never known anybody if you go, hey, that's really sinful behavior. They didn't get uh, a little bit offended by that. Um, but she makes the comment. It doesn't feel like you're you're speaking against something I do. You're speaking against who I am. And this boils down to, you know, talk about identity all you want. I think the more pertinent question, or let me let me put it this way, the more pertinent problem that I have seen in interactions with Christians, and again, we're, we're separating but not trying to separate, right? The interactions between Christians and the LBGTQ plus community is, and this is with anything, right? The sin versus the sinner. Um, and I, I think the three of us would agree we have absolutely seen some very poor responses to the sinner because of the sin. Um, and and I think, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, so this is from the, the second book of Nathan, um, we treat homosexuality like it is the pinnacle of bad sins. And we want to treat homosexuality and that community as such, whereas our best friend may struggle with lying or with gossip or with anger or with being a bad husband or father or whatever, and we completely ignore it um, because, well, that's just, that's not a big deal, right? So I think that the sin versus the sinner aspect of this conversation is probably what comes to the surface the most. Um, when you when you start talking about the conversations and and the things that that one community doesn't understand much about the other, yeah, I, you guys agree with that? Disagree with that? No, I I think for I think for Christians, um, I gotta be careful. I say this because it's gonna sound harsh, and I don't mean it to. Love doesn't mean acceptance. Um, if I really love you as a human being and you have some kind of behavior that is keeping you out of spending an eternity with God, I am called by the Word of God to share that with you. How I do that, I think Christians need some help on. Because how we do that is usually very harsh, uh, very judgmental, and very cruel. But, well, and so part of that is, sorry, I, I don't mean no, to you're good. part of that is, is we're, we're so scared of the reaction from the other, right? Yeah. Because like I said, very rarely have you ever called anybody out on any sort of sinful behavior. And there's been like a, oh man, I, I, I'm really glad you, maybe like later after the fact, but initially there's never that like calm, thank you response. And I want to know, you guys have probably seen this, but it was either, it was either Penn or Teller. Um, whichever one it was that the, the guy with the long hair, the magician, I forget which one he is. Um, I think it was Gillette Penn. Anyway, he did that video that went crazy, crazy viral mm-hmm. about the guy who gave him the pocket Bible 
All right, I'm pretty sure you guys have both probably seen that video. Yes, I have. And seen he that. made, yeah, he made this statement. He said, you know, I really respected that guy. He was super nice. He was super genuine. Uh, and and he made the comment. He's like, if you believe in this, he's like, how much do you have to hate a person to not say something about it? And that that reaction was always super super cool to me because very rarely do you see a guy respond that way. Um, and, and I think that's what holds us up a lot. And I think, you know, Josh, you hit on it and, and I kind of said it, the way we approach people has got to be, in my opinion, the biggest aspect to that, right? It, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we as people, not Christians, not the LBGTQ plus community. We as people struggle interacting with other people, especially around topics that we disagree on. I don't care if it's this. I don't care if it's politics. I don't care if it's the LeBron versus Michael argument. I don't. I don't care what the what the conversation is. We have a hard time communicating with people when we disagree on something that we consider fundamentally correct. Yeah, I think Adam was going to say something. Well, I've had a few th- – I've wrote down a few thoughts as, as we've talked. Yeah, I think you're right, Nathan, that um, we do – this is like the sin of all sins. Like, you know, you can cheat on your wife. God will forgive that. You can beat your kids. God will forgive that. Uh, you can be Jeffrey Dahmer. God will forgive that. But, man, if you struggle with same-sex attraction, like, you're you're lost. Like, we can't even let you in our church building, you know? Yeah. How did we get to that point? And so I have a theory. Yeah. So let me – I don't mean to take you on a sidebar here. Yeah, go ahead, how go did ahead. we get to that point? Um. So, you know, like, my theory is – Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. You go know, ahead. you go. <laughs> well, okay, so, like, I just – I'm curious so much as to how we got to that point. Like, how did we get to this was the pinnacle of all sins? When when you break it down, I would suggest that far more people struggle with lying than they do same-sex attraction. I would assume that – and I think that's kind of the problem. I think that the reason, my opinion, is that the theory behind this is the reason this is the, the pinnacle – is and we've kind of talked about this and maybe disproven this is that this is the unnatural sin right this is the one that isn't common to most individuals and therefore it's the worst um yeah you know i'd be really interested if you asked a thousand people what's worse homosexuality or murder i'd really be interested to see those particular numbers um but again that's i don't like i said i don't mean to go on a sidebar and i'm not trying to say that those two but we lose somewhere in this conversation, we lose the fact that sin is sin and people are people. And we, I do think that we have a tendency to just make everything a big gray area and we just start attacking whatever or whoever, uh, which is a very counterproductive way to live a life. Well, I'll, I'll go down that sidebar with you for a second and I don't have any data in front of me or anything like that, but I wonder if it's something to do with fear um, just because it's something that's not understood. And that causes yeah. one of the last things she said on the video was you need to, what does she say? More Christians need to befriend non-Christians and invite them into their circles, people that don't look like you. And so, you know, when you, when someone remains an unknown entity, it's really easy to project a straw man argument all day long, right? Um, but if you actually have gotten to know somebody, especially someone to, whose heart is open, and I think maybe that needs to be a part sure. of this discussion too is, whether, whether we're talking about this sin or some other struggle that people are having, and we all have struggles, when you're trying to evangelize, not everybody is open to that. And there's even scriptural precedent for 
you know, sometimes we've got to shake the dust off of our feet and, and move on to someone else because that person yeah. may not be ready yet, even though we tried to plant a seed. And so I wonder if maybe, yeah, the, well, I think, the, sorry, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. But I wonder if there was some fear mixed in. And part of that is because we just haven't rubbed shoulders day to day with some, some people in this community, maybe. And then I think maybe yeah. somewhere in there, there's some, the church has always been weird about sex, at least churches I grew up being a part of. We don't talk about it no, at 100%. all. And when we do, sex is bad. Don't do it. And then we say, hey, ha- good luck on your wedding night. You know? Yep, and, so, yeah, right? and we separate. We always, you always have to separate guys and girls when you do that. You're not allowed to say sex with guys and girls in the same room yeah. because that will get you sent to the basement. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. People were complaining no, if you mentioned sex from the pulpit, probably, you know? So, man, it's, it, well, and so, so I think going kind of back just a second to what you said, I think the. I think one of the biggest problems that we have in that is you do have to understand that there are people that have open hearts that want to have these conversations. And if you're willing to have those conversations, those people will find you and you can have very productive conversations. Absolutely. I think the problem that we have as people on both sides is that we project our own assumptions onto people. So we just assume that there are no members of the LBGTQ community that want to have this conversation with me. They just want to prove me wrong. Yeah. And, and I think on the other, the Christians just want to prove me wrong or tell me I'm doing something wrong. And I'm like, if we could pause for two seconds and just talk to each other's people, right? Yeah. Where the people are people. I think that, and again, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, and later. I think, anyway. I don't want to, again, I don't want to like, I'm not trying to feel any fire, but I think that really social media has really done a bad job or that, that it has, it has made this conversation a lot harder to have because we see the viral video of, you know, the extreme person on this side, and then we'll see the viral video of the extreme person on this side. And that represents a small number of people, but we have these narratives built up in our mind of what the other, other party is like before we even step into the same room as them. So, yeah, I think that's a hard thing to do. And so this is, I kind of put down this, this point of how, how do we get better about treating you know, or talking to or caring about the sinner as opposed to the sin. I think one of those things is trying to eliminate preconceived notions uh, before you have a conversation with anybody. Um, you know, realistically, it's very difficult to do that. Kind of what you were saying in any in any format whatsoever, it's very difficult to do that. Um, you know, you based on on where I work, people have preconceived notions about me based on you know the fact that that I'm a a thirty year old, I say thirty twenty eight year old white guy. Uh, people have preconceived notions about me and it goes the other way, right? I mean, every, every aspect of who you are, generally there are preconceived notions about, um, you know, I, I grew up in, in rural West Tennessee. So that there are some preconceived notions about me in that, in that regard. Um, and so I think that's one of the big instances that we've got to do better. I think just being open to the idea of, of sinful behavior versus the person. Um, and I, I don't like how we've gotten so off off the track of God loves everybody um, that the the obedience that you have to him and his pleasure and how you're living is not the same as his love for you. Like one is not dictated by the other. You know, he doesn't value you more based on, well, you did a bunch of good stuff, right? I mean, that's that's not how that works. Even Scripture tells us that, uh, you know, there's more rejoicing for people that were lost and that were found than for the person that was doing the right thing all along. And so I think we forget that yeah. um, it's to an a, extent. To, to me, it's a blend of Psalm 5-5 and John 3-16. So we, we know John 3-16, but Psalm 5-5 says that God hates evildoers. 
Yeah, God hates evildoers. Not God hates evil. God hates evildoers. But God so loved the world, who is full of evildoers, that he gave his one-of-a-kind son. So, I'm not going to accept, and I'm, I'm not, again, love doesn't mean acceptance. I, I'm not going to express my love for you by saying, you know what? You do you. You, you do you. Um, I'm not going to accept that. Jesus doesn't accept sin, but he ate with sinners, right? But the people that he ate with were changed, uh, and it had an impact on them. And, that's, and Jesus was the master at doing that for obvious reasons. So we, we have the same calling. Yeah. Um, I was thinking as you were talking, Nathan, about, you know, why has this become the pinnacle? Um, it sure is easy to condemn something that you don't struggle with. So that, I think that's, that's yeah. I think that's, that's, in, that's incredibly, I think that's uh, true for a lot of us. And uh, maybe that goes against someone who yeah, that's, uh, struggles that's with lying accurate. or whatever else. But um, my, my point here is God hates evildoers. We're all evildoers, but in Christ, we are forgiven and redeemed evildoers who are living according, as I keep saying, his standard. And so I think for us, as we try to talk to these people and, uh, you know, if you if you if you're blessed enough to have an open and honest conversation, which few people are. But if you are blessed enough to have someone who is willing to calmly sit down and to share ideas and to open up and to see your perspective, you see their perspective in a respectful way. If you're ever blessed to do that, I think um, I disagree with him on some theological stuff, but what Francis Chan has done has been one of the greatest evangelistic methods for evangelizing to the gay community. He's in San Francisco, right? Um, the kind of the capital of the gay community. And, uh, but he, he just, he doesn't start. Yeah. He doesn't start by condemning homosexuality. He starts by just introducing Jesus. And, and, Introducing Jesus yeah. is so powerful. And I think Christians forget that. We think that we have to introduce doctrine. And doctrine is great. There's a place for doctrine. But only if we start with Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's that kind of moves us into to the next little segue here because I think the third thing that she really hits on throughout the course of this video is the community um, that people find themselves a part of. Uh, and yeah. it's really interesting. So as I was, as I was kind of prepping for this video, um, this video was posted by a group called the gospel coalition. Um, they did several videos very much like this. And I, it was really interesting because I watched a couple of videos with Jackie Hill Perry in, in a couple of others, uh, in which she said that, that, uh, the community was more loving and more accepting and more, open and safe uh and and she had friends there and you know it was it was her place whereas the christian community wasn't like that you watched another video i think her name was rosaria butterfield um she she went through a very very similar scenario um as, as jackie Hill perry did and she said one of the things that surprised her the most was the community of christians around her and i'm, I'm gonna get to that in in a second um but there is there's is a significant importance in the community that we're a part of. And I think that as much of the community that we're a part of, it's important that that community, I'm not going to say it's not openly at odds, but is not actively at odds with other communities, right? And kind of like what Adam said way back at the beginning, if our community is just seeking to attack other communities, you're not really going to win anybody over, right? You're not going to convince people 
Um, and, and that's, we talked about this in the last video. So go back and watch episode one of this particular podcast and you'll understand what kind of what we're talking about. You know, we do have a tendency. Um, there's a lot of tendency. And I guess say we as in me and Joshua and Adam, but there is a tendency to paint God as one way or the other. Either God is harsh and, and condemning and, and wrathful and brutal, or he is all love and compassion and grace. And there is a balance to who God is in that sense. Um, but one of the things that uh, Rosario Butterfield mentioned, and one of the things that I don't think uh, Christians quite understand, is the sense of community that the LBGTQ plus is a part of, and therefore is potentially struggling with the decision to leave said community, right? I mean, you're talking about every, you know, and I say that for me growing up in the church, I had a lot of friends that weren't a part of, of the congregation I grew up at, but I didn't have a lot of friends that said, no, I don't go to church or no, I'm not a Christian or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and I think so often, I think Joshua, you might've said this, we so much want to make it to where, all right, you're done with that life. So cut it off, you know, cut off the community, cut off. I mean, your, your whole lifestyle, your whole identity, your whole livelihood is built up in this. And now all of a sudden we expect you to kind of like quit cold Turkey, so to speak. Um, I don't think Christians, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't think I or Christians understand how difficult of a sentiment that is. Um, if even possible. Um, and, and so I think that's something that, that is, uh, is incredibly important to acknowledge as well. Yeah. Um, the difference in the, you know, the community of the church and maybe the LGBTQ plus community, um, you know, it, it's often portrayed as, you know, it's unconditional acceptance, you know, like basically it's whatever you are, whatever you want to be called, um, you know, whatever your identity is, like you're welcome here. Um, and, and I'll say I've, 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 I've followed some people on social media before who have been a part of that community that actually sometimes, uh, like church community, sometimes even in the LGBTQ plus community, they eat their own. And so there, there mm. be some infighting and things like that, even in that group. So it's not always all it's yeah. about to be, but I think our churches don't always do a great job of establishing close connections to provide a great alternative. I mean, the world is a lonely place. And there's a lot of people who've tried to find that community in a local church and they haven't. They weren't, you know, I mean, we've all heard a horror story of a couple who went to a church and nobody asked them their name. Nobody said hi to them and they just left. This is where over. And that was, you know. Yeah. Well, so everybody knows what it's like at some point in your life. Everybody knows what it's like to be an outsider. So when you're talking about asking somebody or or convincing somebody who's part of that LGBTQ community, to now come be a part of a different community, you have made them because of the way we treat homosexuality, right? You have made them the outsider of outsiders, right? And they have willingly stepped out of that community. If you get to this point, right, they've willingly stepped out of that community. And I don't think it's, and this is what Rosario Butterfield was talking about. She was actually shocked and incredibly impressed when she converted to Christianity about how, understanding everybody was about, look, we get it. This was your entire life. These are all the ties that you have to this life. We get that 
you're not going to be able to change all of that overnight. Uh, she said she was blown away by the willingness of people to meet her where she was and move forward from there. Yeah. And which that, I'm like, huh. Yeah. That that's sounds a beautiful kind picture of like of, what Jesus did. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that's a beautiful picture of, I think, what we are called to be, but I don't always think we do a great job of it. Um, I mean, yeah. how, how many churches in the South, and, and I'm not, you know, I've, I've I've never been to every church, okay? But you know, how many churches, if somebody were to walk in and it was clear that this was their lifestyle, that they, they would be welcome? Yeah, and I don't, yeah. know, I don't know how many that I've, is. I've said that. No, I've said that before. I think that uh, I think when you walk into the majority of congregations, especially ones that you would consider, I would say, right of progressive, um, you walk into a congregation, and if uh, if you find a couple in the back, uh, and you know he says, "Hey, I'm Adam." Uh, you know, no offense to Adam, but you know, I says, "Hey, I'm Adam. This is my my husband Joseph." Um, how many of us would be more comfortable to go? I I don't think you're going to like it here, and ask them to leave as opposed to inviting them in more. You know, and I think that's a, and, and so I think that the the importance of community from both aspects, right? Because I don't. I think if Christians would spend some time, and I don't like talking about like, you know, not all Christians do this, but I think if Christians would spend more time thinking of the LBGTQ plus community as the Christian community in the sense of, okay, so now put the role on you. What if somebody asked you to leave the community you were a part of? All of your friends, your family, if that's, you know, part of who this is. Yeah. And now you're supposed to just uproot and cut off all ties with this community that you've been a part of for the majority of your life. That's what you're asking somebody to do. That's the drastic change that you are requesting of said person. And it's easy for us to brush that off and you go, yeah, but we're doing it for the betterment of them as opposed to, you know, the worsening of us. And yeah, I was like, but you, you've got to get through that mindset of the drastic change that it is. Because, and I think you see this again, not trying to paint sides, I think it's a people issue. You have all met or seen people on both sides that are not accepting of the other, right? And again, that's that's with any any divide that you have, whether it's political, sexual, uh, eco- socioeconomical, you see those divisions within society as a whole where sometimes it's difficult for communities of any kind to let outsiders in. So it's difficult as it is, much less the drastic change that you're making from one lifestyle to another. Yeah, it looks like Josh has got something he wants to say. I've got just a couple of quick thoughts, and then I'm going to let him talk because no, it looks like he's got something good to say. Um, there, there's a quote I, I heard a while back. Um, it said, people are not looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a friendly and that quote has always stuck with me because there's a huge difference, right? You can be a friendly yeah. church, but not be a church of community. Um, so there, there's a thought I've had that kind of ties into this community part, um, because I think we need to be fostering that in our churches. Um, as far as, you know, if this person were to walk in our doors, how would we, how would we interact with them? And one thing I wrote this down as we were talking is listen to their story. You know, when you sit down with somebody, whether that's sharing a meal or just talking to them after church or getting to know them, if you listen to their story, they'll make a lot more sense to you. And that's whether they're struggling with this issue or another issue. And um, 100%. so that, that's a piece that I think sometimes we really struggle with is finding that, that empathy piece. And I have a feeling when Jesus sat down with the quote unquote sinners that he spent time with in scripture, that he listened to their story and he met them yeah. where they were and he offered a better way. Um, and I, I doubt that he held up a sign that said, God hates fags. Like, 
the Westboro Baptist Church did, right? Um, yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to say is, you know, I mentioned the, the phrase unconditional acceptance earlier. And I want to talk about that phrase for a second because that can mean different things, right? Um, in my line of work, and I would say this is probably true for you guys as well, you, we all serve under somebody. And at some point, I need somebody to come to me and say, you know, Adam, you're doing a great job, but there's this area you could really improve in. And, and if I know that person well enough and I have a good relationship with them, I can take that. And I, I need that to refine and improve myself in whatever line of work I'm in. And so, you know, acceptance doesn't mean I accept everything you do, but I accept you as a person because I think Christians yeah. need to have an unconditional acceptance of whoever walks in our door. doesn't matter what they look like, how big or tall they are, or what they may be struggling with or how obvious that struggle may be. Um, you know, I'm going to accept them as a person, as a child of God. They are, they are no less valuable than I am in God's sight. But I may not accept all of their behaviors or choices, just like I don't want everyone to accept everything that I do because I do, I don't, you know, I don't have a day in my life where I don't stumble in some way. Yeah, hundred percent. You may be a full time counselor now, but you can tell that that Adam still has a little bit of preacher left in him. That's right. But anyway, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, Joshua. Um, you're talking about the community and uh, the the issue of community. Um, my opinion for what it's worth, is that in the desire, and this is true for everyone, not just the community that we're talking about or discussing here, but for, for anyone who is desiring to be unique in yourself, that in your uniqueness, you set yourself up for uh, the opportunity to become an outcast. Uh, because in, in your uniqueness, there's a reason why you've become different, and different is strange and different is weird to a lot of people not saying that that's right. I'm just saying that it is. But uh, look look at who your closest friends are. Uh, studies show that your five closest friends will be a very good mirror of who you are. So if you have a problem with cussing, most likely your five closest friends also have a problem with cussing. If you have a problem with drinking, your five closest friends will probably have a problem with drinking. Uh, in fact, if you want to look at your uh, income, you will be within, studies have proven this, you'll be within 10% of your five closest friends with your income. So it does matter who you hang out with. It doesn't matter who you spend time with. Yeah, so, I, need, I need new friends then. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Brian, I have to quit hanging out with you guys. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't live without me. That's Joshua. true. Come on, what are you talking That's about? true. But Proverbs Proverbs thirteen twenty says, "Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the but the companion of fools will suffer harm." So it matters who you spend time with. And I know, I, I know, and I want to sound compassionate when I say this. I know that people who struggle with any sin, especially the one that we're talking about in this video or podcast or wh whatever avenue you're listening to this on, that it is difficult to leave one thing, to leave people that you are close to and to move to a new surrounding of people, whether it be Christians, hopefully it would be Christians, and people who are godly, that's what, what we would hope. Um, but, you know, love him or hate him, uh, Dave Ramsey tells people in talking about money, he's like, look, if you're hanging around people who are bad with money, quit. Uh, you you got to hang around people who are good with money and who have money and who are generous with their money. You just, you got to quit. So there is an element of responsibility on us, no matter what we're struggling with, that we have to say, look, I'm, I'm going to submit to the Lordship of Jesus and I'm going to change who I'm around. 
you know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying burn bridges. I'm just saying once you get across the river, maybe don't cross the bridge again. You know, have that bridge there for for other people to come across it to you. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, so that's she. She kind of makes that comment in the video, right? So she said, uh, and we'll we'll get to that here in just a second. And the reason, and I hope everybody kind of understands that we've, you know, we've we've talked about this from a biblical perspective. But one of the big things that we haven't touched on in this video, and that we won't, partially for the sake of time, and partially because she didn't talk about it in the video, is is the theology breakdown, right? We're not here arguing about is homosexuality sinful from a theology standpoint in the Bible? Because, you know, our first video we broke down, uh, Brandon Robertson, who would would argue uh, very, very passionately that, that this is not a sinful act whatsoever. Um, but we're talking about this more or less from the interaction between the communities, so to speak. Um, and, and, you know, you talked about, Josh, with the bridges, right? That's such an important thing. And, and even when I was a youth minister and now, working with with young adults and, and members here one of the things that I try to to try to I guess in impart if I have any wisdom whatsoever I'd like to think that this is it is to to never never leave a conversation with somebody where there is not the possibility of a next conversation um, to to an extent right and so that's kind of what I want to talk about next because I think she kind of closes out this video Adam you mentioned it one of the last things she says in the video is, Christians need to befriend more non-Christians. Yep. Um, she says that in the video, and she makes this comment, and she kind of chuckles about it. She said, I'm not saying you got to go to a gay pride parade. She said, but have friends that are different than you. Um, and I think that that's – so the point that I think she's trying to make there is there has to be the ability to reach some sort of understanding and common ground through the building of relationships with each other. And if you are only, I understand what Josh was saying. I completely agree with it. I've used that time and time and time again. However, if you only surround yourself with people that think like you, you'll never be able to see another perspective. Uh, and so when she makes that comment, how Christians need to befriend more non-Christians, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, now, what I want us to talk about is a little bit of how do we do that and then where where do we as Christians draw the line, right? Because Joshua kind of hit on it and Adam has kind of hit on it. And we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit here is today's society, love and tolerance or love and acceptance mean the same thing. Like if you love me, you will let me do whatever I want. And that's, that's how you show love and acceptance toward me. Whereas from a Christian perspective, we're kind of taught the opposite, right? You know, love is being able to acknowledge our faults and the faults of others, understanding that there's a standard that we're not living up to. And so how do we kind of go about befriending non-Christians? How do we reach those common ground conversations? And then where where do you all think, and I'll just put it that way, how, where do you individually think we have to draw a line when it comes to the association that we have with, with non-Christians? Yeah, well, you know, seeing as Jesus spent a lot of time mingling with people who didn't, um, you know, follow the 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 Old Testament law or follow him, so I don't know where the I don't know where the line would be drawn. Um, I think we've got to set up some kind of safeguard to where um, I'm not going to fall into that lifestyle, whether it's that or, or some other sin. Um, and so, 
you know, Josh, you talked about who you surround yourself with. I mean, I think that is a big key, but we've got to make room in our life for, okay, how am I going to rub shoulders with people of the community who may not come to our church? So the reality is most of the time they're not coming to us. Um, one of my big, one of my regrets slash struggles that I had when I was a full-time minister is I spent so much time doing church work. I rarely interacted with, with anyone who wasn't in the church. And so I found that like all of my community ties were people that I knew from the church. And to some degree, that's still the case. Although we've lived here long enough now because of my wife, who is a teacher, that, you know, our influence has spread out a little bit. And so for me, some of my biggest, um, the ways that I've rubbed shoulders with people who don't see the world like I do has been through my counseling job, which is not a, we are not an explicitly a Christian counseling agency. So people come from all over and all walks of life. And it's been honestly a big blessing for me, um, having grown up, you know, in a, in a fairly, I guess, limited worldview, it's been a big blessing to be able to have some of those conversations with people who don't see the world like I do. And I don't think that I'm some enlightened person or anything like that, but it has been a blessing for me personally. So yeah, I'd love to hear you guys response on how how can we help this? How can we help facilitate this more? Well, I don't want y'all to misunderstand what I was trying to get at um, in saying it about who you hang around. I'm not saying that we don't need to evangelize. I'm not saying we don't need to go find Christian friends. What I'm saying is if I'm struggling with porn addiction, I'm not going to be hanging around guys who are going to strip clubs. Okay, if if I'm if yeah. I'm struggling with, and and we know this about with our children, like if if our children are hanging out with Johnny the Weedhead, we're going to tell them you can't hang out with Johnny the Weedhead because you'll become a Weedhead. Okay, now I that doesn't <laughs> now that doesn't mean that if my child comes to me and says, "Hey, I want to uh, invite Johnny the Weedhead to church," Johnny's going to send us hate mail. But yeah, well. If, if, if our kids yeah. come and say, hey, I want to invite Johnny no, to we head to church, that. that's, no. that's different. Okay? But I, I think it's important for us to realize yeah. that Jesus said that uh, something that we all take is universally true to all believers. Go make disciples of all nations. That means people who disagree with you. That means people who've never heard the gospel. And Jesus gives them an imperative, go. Okay. Actually, I think there's a participle, but in English, it's an imperative. Go. Right? <laughs> so, as we go, where do we draw the line? Remember, Paul in Acts 17 was at on the Areopagus in Athens, and he was talking to Stoics and Epicureans. He went. He talked with them. Some of them believed. A lot of them didn't. Some of them wanted to hear him again. But there came a time where Paul had to leave and move on to the next one. And so as far as where we draw the line, I would say uh, this is just me talking now, and I'm not trying to sound harsh. It's just me. I would say if you were having a conversation with someone who is uh, nothing but hostile to faith, to the Lord, uh, who in that moment uh, it's nothing but rocky ground for the seed, your efforts may be better spent elsewhere. Maybe. Maybe you can break the rock. I don't know. Maybe the seed can grow. So uh, I think a, a lot of uh, a lot of prayer and a lot of wisdom comes into play here on on what we do. Um, the whole shake the dust from your feet thing is something that I struggle with because you know I never want to give up on somebody, but I do think that there is a time where our efforts 
may be better used elsewhere if someone is completely hostile and unreceiving yeah. to the word. Yeah, well, and I, I get I get what you're saying there. The shaking the dust from your feet thing, which for for anybody that may be listening, that's that's a mentality that Jesus had. Occasionally, you've got to shake the dust from your feet as you leave that town because people are just not going to accept you. I think one of the things that at least I struggle with, I think Joshua, you kind of hinted at this, is this idea of you don't really want to give up on somebody. And my bigger thing is, okay, well, when is it too soon to give up on somebody? And, and do we know where that? And so, and actually, and I, I love that you guys both kind of brought up that thing because I think that line kind of differs from situation situation to situation. Um, is the idea that, and, and where I was thinking of it from was even a there's got to be a line drawn somewhere because Paul talks about this line too of, okay, if, if you associating with particular people in a specific place, now if that's causing other people's faith to, to falter or to, to waver, that becomes an issue. There's got to be a line there, right? Um, how you're perceived there's, and I think, don't get me wrong. I think we're probably more prone to be too concerned with how we're perceived as opposed to not enough. Um, but there's, like I said, those, and I think that line is ever changing. Don't get me wrong. Um, but as far as how do we reach that common ground, I think the biggest thing that we do, just my opinion, uh, I think the biggest thing that we have to do is just be willing to have that conversation and to be willing to listen to the other side of that conversation. So much of what I see from any side of whatever aisle you're on this conversation, politics, whatever it is, is we listen to respond. We don't listen to understand. And I think if we can get it through our minds that we need to listen to understand as opposed to respond, we're going to have significantly more productive conversations with people. Well, and I think people of all, all people of all time, people are looking for something to fill whatever is within them, right? That void. And I think if what we are offering Sometimes we try to dress Jesus up, right? Uh, trendy, cultural, whatever. If what we're offering is as good as it is, and it is, um, I think sometimes we just have to, as you know, Francis Chan apparently does. Let's start with Jesus, and um, let's start with Scripture, and let's let's start with that. Hey, let me meet you where you are. And I think there's got to be a lot of on your end some prayer and discernment, and just some just some wisdom. I think when you reach a point with somebody where you know that for now we're maybe at a stalemate, you'll know. And sometimes you're, you can even yeah. honestly have that conversation with them of like, hey, you know what? We know maybe we're not going to see eye to eye, but we can still treat each other with respect. And hey, the door's always open, you know? Well, yeah, com- for sure. Something else people need to know, and we're kind of getting an evangel- evangelistic standpoint here, but uh, your, your conversation with these people isn't going to be a one-time 30-second conversation. I mean, it's going to take years probably for a lot of people to not even – become converted or to use that term loosely, I guess, but to even start to have their heart soften toward the gospel. You know, I mean, it's, it is a process and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not going something that's going to happen for a lot of people within a couple of months. Uh, It's a, it's a daily monthly struggle. And, you know, this is why, this is why Christians run the marathon and not the sprint. Um, uh, it's not just our own lives that we're living. Yeah, it's our, sure. it's our influence on other people too. For sure. 
Well, guys, is there anything else that you guys just have to get out there before we close this down? I know that there's got to be like one more little thought that somebody's like, I got to say this. You're going to wake up tomorrow, man. I should have said that. I'll do that. It's okay. I'll wake up tomorrow and go, man, I should have said that. But anyway. <laughs> uh, I've, well, man, I've enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Adam, thank you so much. Uh, I would say for taking time out of your very busy day. I know it's kind of toward the end of our day right now. However, I do very, very much appreciate you making time to do this with us. You know, I I consider it uh, pretty awesome to have known you. And I've texted Adam several times on, hey, do you have a good book on this? Do you know anything about this particular topic? And it's been awesome. Hey, before Uh, before Joshua is always, hey, but love love getting to have these conversations with you. Yeah, before we get out of here. Let's give a plug for Adam's blog because his blog is absolutely absolutely. amazing. And anyone listening needs to subscribe to his blog wherever you can find it. Um, Adam, why don't you tell them a little something about your blog and where they can find it, where they can like and subscribe and all that good stuff. And when's the podcast coming? That's what I want to know. When when is the when is the podcast coming? The podcast is coming sometime down the road. I have no plans right now, but I'd like to do one sometime. no, my my blog. I just I try to write weekly. It's fallen off a little bit this summer, but I've coming up on a one year of writing weekly on just marriage topics about marriage, and so um, try to try to cover things from beginning of marriage to you know the end of marriage and everything in between. And so um, you can find it. I think the address is steadymarriage.wordpress.com. Um, and so you could probably just Google go. Steady Marriage WordPress, and you could probably find it. And um, yeah, you can subscribe. Or- I'll tell you what. I'll I'll do one better. I say I'll do one better. If if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll I'll go ahead and put that link in the description. Um, I thought it was called On the Rock, but maybe it's it's called Steady Marriage. But yeah, um, I kind of just I like both of those me. ideas and I kind of <laughs> blend them together. And so um, yeah, uh, you can call it On the Rock. You can call it Steady Marriage. I think the the actual um, URL is SteadyMarriage.wordpress.com. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Well, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put that link in the description. I don't know that I can put the link in the description on Spotify or anything like that because that's distributed by somebody else, but. Uh, regardless, check that out. Um, Adam writes weekly, uh, and it was it was so great. I, I shared uh, I shared his his last one actually as as my blog that I write every Friday. I actually shared Adam's. My brother texted me immediately and said it was a cop out. Um, but sometimes you just find stuff that's good. So anyway, you could be like um, me and do absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay too. <laughs> Yeah, so there's always that possibility too. That's and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Some people, some people are busy trying to earn their what fifth degree. Yeah. So okay. you know, some of us, some of us have greater ambitions than than just uh, writing. So, but anyway, uh, again, thank you guys for showing up. Thank you for watching this. Uh, share it if you find this on Facebook or YouTube or Spotify or wherever. Copy the link. Share it with your friends. Like I said, we want to get as much uh, as much attention to this as as we possibly can. Not for our sake, but for hopefully the message and uh, just having having conversations about these particular topics. Like I said, we're going to do is try to do this once a month. Uh, who knows how, how much we'll grow. We hope that uh, we continue to do so. Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure. If you're in uh, Henry, O'Brien, or Rutherford counties, anytime over the next uh, several weekends, the Troy, Salem Creek, and Eastwood Churches of Christ would love to have you stop in and, uh, and just say hi. So there's our, there's our shameless plug there. Uh, But anyway, guys, until next time, this has been your content warning.